Oscar Mercado is out. Trevor Steffen in. And just how much value should you put on unsexy yet kind of solid at-bats in spring training? We'll soon find out. This is the Selfie's Godcast. I'm TJ Zuppi. He is Zach Meisel. You can find us on Twitter at TJ Zuppi, at Zach Meisel, at Selby's Godcast. You can subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you happen to listen to your podcast. What's up, Zach? You know, you've been going with these edgy jokes to kick off the podcast lately. I was waiting for the punchline there, <laughs> and you didn't have one. Well, I don't want to have it always be something that's the same. Sometimes it's just news. We well, started news. talking about sexy numbers, and I was wondering where this was going but nope you can't force the joke if it's not there then it's not funny I mean, it's true. borderline unfunny as it is so what do you want yeah i'm tired of the oral roberts sweet 16 jokes <laughs> oh, already god jeez I mean, yeah yeah well I'm we were you. we were already out in front of that between the two of us sending them back and forth things that would get us canceled if we ever said them publicly so let's talk spring training battles, because we haven't been doing that for the past several weeks. But, God, as you said, people can't get enough of this shit. <laughs> well, I think everybody loves the roster projections and trying to put this puzzle together, except it's like <laughs> this puzzle in particular is like, you know, you had the pieces all laid out on your dining room table and, oh, no, someone spilled a pitcher of water. And so now all the pieces are soggy <laughs> and some of them like are deformed and they don't fit together at all. And uh, that's basically what this is like when you look at center field and who would have guessed the final three competitors standing as of the recording of this podcast are Bradley Zimmer, Ahmed Rosario, and Ben Gamble. If you had those three as the final three, you probably had Oral Roberts in your Sweet 16. <laughs> hey, I looked into that crystal ball and I asked you last podcast whether or not Oscar Mercado was standing on firm ground in that position because you could kind of, I guess, read some tea leaves there. And if you're saying that spring training means anything, like if these battles are actually taking place and it's not all done inside somebody's head, then the fact that Mercado is struggling and Zimmer is playing well, Gamble is doing what he does, which is typically get on base... And Ahmed Rosario needs at-bats wherever that's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be in center field. We'll find out. But if you take all of that and then also think about what makes sense for the roster, right. it, was get, it was getting harder and harder to map out the best plan being Oscar Mercado in center field. Well, let's start with what you hinted at there. Um, because I think it's important to have the context where it is not just player A versus player B and whoever Post the best spring training numbers wins the job. And I think for some reason, especially this spring, and maybe it's just because this team hasn't had a ton of roster battles in recent years. Um, I feel like there is this push. There's this narrative out there where it's like Bobby Bradley's numbers are better than Jake Bowers. That means Bobby Bradley deserves the job. And while Bobby Bradley may deserve the job, I mean, we've both said it. It's like if Jake Bowers didn't have a, if he wasn't out of options, that wouldn't even be a competition. Um, but it's not because of the – it's not the stats, okay? Like, Oscar Mercado's numbers were not very good this spring. But to compound that, his numbers were not very good, and he was facing mostly low-level minor league pitching. So that's doubly troubling. But it's, it's the fact that they're not paying attention to the statistics. They're paying attention to, does your bat speed look good? Can you catch up to a fastball up in the zone? Can you identify, is your pitch recognition on point? Can you tell when it's going to be a, a curveball spinning your way instead of a fastball? Um, defensively, do you know what you're doing? Like, are you in proper shape? Do you look healthy? Do you have swing mechanics that can make you be successful? It's those things. And those things might not um, be reflective in 25 plate appearances in spring training against pitchers from all over the map. So it, it's I keep seeing this like daily battle on Twitter and like, all right, you know, Oscar Mercado went one for three with a single, so he had a good day to help himself. And it's like, no, stock it has up, nothing to do stock with this. Stock down. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't trend like that. 
and and not a there's not a scenario where one good day wins somebody a job. I mean, maybe you could make that case for a starting pitcher really wowing in an out an outing, but it's not going to be that just one day that determines somebody that was off the roster being on it or off on it or being off of it. it it just doesn't work like that. And there is so much information, too, that we just aren't privy to. There's proprietary data as far as you know what the exit velocity is on certain guys, what the, the pitch velocity is, and all the things that you laid out. So we're not working with a full picture of, of all the information they're using to determine these things. But if Springer numbers are going to mean anything, and they do mean a little bit of something when you're determining who's going to win a job and you're looking at Guys, you would consider to be on semi-similar yes, standing, but, but the, it has the thing, to though. mean something. Yeah, if someone goes 0 for 20 in spring training, it's more so the fact that like that also probably means that the exit velocity is not there, yes. the mechanics aren't there, etc. Yes. If one guy goes 10 for 20 and the other guy goes 8 for 20, that doesn't then that, that doesn't mean anything. Well, you have to look deeper into the data. It's, right. it's you go beyond batting average, and I think that's important. When I just laid out in the intro that you tore to shreds, what I was trying to get at is sometimes in spring training, guys might be having good at bats, but it's not reflective in the numbers. And you can look at a guy like Jake Bowers, who, if you looked at his batting average this spring, you would say, why is this guy on the roster? And <laughs> we could make the case anyway, why is this guy going to be on the roster? Well, he's hitting 136. Nobody is doing backflips about that. But if you move one column to the right, you see this guy is also getting on base at a 406 clip. Now, I don't think that that is sustainable. The only guy that I ever really saw do things like that is Carlos Santana. But the point here for Bowers is he's. you can look at that, just that alone, and say... He's probably having some pretty good at-bats based just on the fact that he's drawing his walks and he's getting on base, that he's not up there trying to do what is often thrown out as being doing too much in a certain situation or pressing. If he's drawing the walks, he's probably being a tough at-bat, and it's not enough, it's not poor enough, I don't think, in in my opinion, for them to say, "Uh uh-uh, this guy's gone. If you're doing, yep. if you're drawing walks and you're getting on base, you can't have that sort of spring and the Indians come away thinking, nope, the guy that we saw in 2019 was enough. We're not going to give this, this, this young man another opportunity ever. I don't think that's the case. So you can kind of do that with a lot of guys. And even Bradley Zimmer, you know, is having a strong spring as far as batting average goes, again, for whatever that's worth. But he's also getting on base via the walk and he's, controlling the zone doesn't look out of control at the plate looks like he, he has a little bit more pitches a lot <laughs> yeah that's weird um and sometimes as we've seen that can be a skill oddly enough um and someone that likes to get injured as much as bradley zimmer of course the ball is going to find him like a magnet <laughs> uh, but it, he doesn't look out of control up there you know things that you can go beyond the numbers to see that while you're not exactly sorting by the hits column or the batting average column. There's still something to be gained, I think, in looking at the spring numbers. And once again, if you're talking about players that are on semi-similar footing, then you have to use some things on the edges to to decide a guy's fate. And in this case, and and this is just looking at Zimmer and Mercado, but the numbers would, would tell you the same story, I think, that your eyes are telling you as far as the battle, quote-unquote, between those two guys. Yeah, I, I think we maybe need to do that. I think a team is always going to go into spring training with an ideal scenario. And if you can maybe fit the context of what happens in spring training to match what you hoped for going into it, you know, that there's like, like they wanted Mercado to win this job. So I think if Mercado would have looked halfway decent this spring, he would have been the answer. And then everything else would have, you know, you would have had a, a ripple effect after that. But instead, you're left with, you know, I mean, center field's been a question mark for this team since Grady Sizemore was out there. And it's that's still going to be the case. And I suspect that we're going to see, you're going to see Zimmer, you're going to see Rosario, you're going to see Gamble, you're going to see Mercado, you're going to see Daniel Johnson at some point. Um, Lies. I, I, think, I think the importance is to... If it's one thing to evaluate, and we have nothing to go on, right? I mean, 
we aren't in the batting cages every morning with these guys. We don't know, you know, we're not sitting there dissecting with Ty Van Berkeley and Victor Rodriguez how these guys' swing mechanics look. So we all we have is to go off of stats or off of what coaches say. Um, I do think there is. But what are they going to say? Like, well, Josh, but I think the Josh Naylor is terrible and we're screwed. Of course, no. Not. But I, I, I think, I think this has always been the case. You can read into Terry Francona's statements certainly, um, and I think like you made the mention of like Josh Naylor has struggled this spring. If you look at his stats. But if you ask Antonetti, or if you ask Francona, like the exit velocity's been there. He's hitting the ball. It's just he's had some rotten luck and it's been a small sample. They're not concerned with him at all. Like he'll he's still going to be the right fielder and he'll play plenty. Um so I think and I think you can just learn it's just like how Francona talks about certain guys, you can you can tell. Um like you you could tell early in spring training that like, hey, you know what, if Logan Allen actually pitches pretty well, he might stand a chance here. And I think from the beginning with Mercado, it's kind of been like a lot of hopefulness, but also as spring training has unfolded, you just kind of got the impression that like, you know what, I don't know that they're as high on him right now as maybe everyone assumes they are. But if you also do what you're talking about, reading between the lines, a lot of what they've talked about is body language and confidence and the the things that go beyond the numbers that they seem to be... Concern is probably too strong of a word, but it's something that they've marked as a red flag, and they think that needs mm-hmm. needs to be improved. Now, how do you improve well, a guy's confidence? He's admitted it too. Yes, of course. I mean, he's even talked about that as far back as 2019 when he went through uh, some struggles in that season and, and then finished the season strong. But it's that's something that is a little subjective, and it's also really difficult to build a guy's confidence. There's no manual for doing it. There are certain things you can try to do, and, and maybe their thought is send him to the minor leagues, let him face some minor league pitching, and let him have some success. And for whatever reason, when you turn left at first base as opposed to turning right, no matter how that happened, it has a little bit of an impact on your psyche. All of that said, though, Oscar Mercado has not faced Max Scherzer every at-bat of spring training here. Yeah, the, if you look at the, the opponent's quality score, which they give you on baseball uh, reference, gives you a little bit of an idea of the competition level that guys face in spring training. And his is not as high as Bradley Zimmer, who's almost been facing major league quality uh, pitching every time he's gone to the plate, better than AAA, according to the opponent quality score. So that's also something that you have to keep in mind, too, mm-hmm. that these the numbers that he's been putting up is n- it's not like he's facing major league quality pitching so he's got a lot of work to do i don't know that a guy can re overhaul a swing in the middle of the year i think that's dangerous when you ask guys to do that uh, but as far as mentality and just believing in himself a little bit more uh, that's got to be somewhere near the forefront of things they want to accomplish by sending him to the minor leagues. And at the same time, as we talked about to begin the show, you have a roster that you're trying to piece together. That it, at some points, you know, it's like the, the, the puzzle for a four-year-old where it's six pieces. That's half the puzzle. And then the other half, the puzzle is like the 200 pieces one. So you're putting this all together. And as you look at it, if you're trying to get at-bats for Ahmed Rosario and you think some of those are going to eventually come in center field, Well, does it make sense to carry a center fielder that's going to get the bulk of his at-bats as a right-handed hitter or as a left-handed hitter? Organically, you've created at-bats for Ahmed Rosario in center field by whether it's Zimmer, whether it's Gamel, but either one of those guys that's hitting as a left-handed hitter in center field. I've now opened up some at-bats for a guy that we both have said needs to get a lot of them this year. One more thing on Mercado real quick. You know, keep in mind, he wasn't what you described where it's like go to the minors, face some triple a pitching get that confidence up he couldn't he couldn't do that last year you know every time he shuttled back and forth between progressive field and the alternate site and when he's going back to east lake he's facing those same pitchers in a spring training setting and that's not the same you know that's not going to triple a feeling like okay i'm better than these guys i've hit in the major leagues before and then regaining that confidence and that belief in yourself it's what am I doing here? I'm just wallowing away in East Lake, facing the same pitcher every day. 
you know, taking batting practice and playing, like it's just going through the motions. You, you couldn't do that. And so at least this year, and he'll have to do the alternate site thing for a month first, although they are hoping they can play a couple of exhibition games a week um, against maybe like Toledo and any other minor league teams nearby. But, you know, at some point he'll be able to play in minor league games and maybe boost that confidence and figure out what he's been missing. And so I think that could be helpful. It was just such an abnormal year last year where guys didn't really have a chance to rebound, didn't have a chance to figure things out. Um, And so I think the main point here is that they're almost, they're really just going into the season without a center fielder. And the five people we named, uh, Gamble probably not as much because he's, I think at this point he's a little more established. He's one of probably the, you know what you're getting with him more than the other four. But if anybody hits, or in Rosario's case, defends, but mostly if anybody hits, it's your job. Like, truly, you can take it and run with it. You know, if Zimmer, it's probably his last real chance because he's 28. Yep. It's his last year with minor league options. He's probably um, unnecessary on the 40-man roster if this trial doesn't work. And But if he hits, if he returns to... His 2017 form, which is so long ago, um, you know, then he has a chance to to play regularly because there's there's just not much standing in anyone's way. If Rosario makes a a smoothish transition to the outfield, like I I think he he would be the center fielder if, if he had experience out there, but he doesn't. So I think they feel like it makes sense. Okay, well, if we only play him against lefties, then he can like gradually ease into this new position and maybe he hits really well because he has that potential and then over time you just play it more and more and you get more comfortable and then he could be your center field like opportunity is there for anyone who wants to claim it it's just all these guys have pretty yeah. significant hurdles to clear yeah but let's let's break this the, the zimmer thing down to i think a, a pretty simple level where you just said we haven't seen this guy in regularly in going on four years now at the time was still considered one of the best prospects in baseball was for a brief period of time the club's number one prospect and someone that a lot of people felt and myself included could create a lot of value by not even being that great of a hitter but because of what he does on the bases because of what he can do defensively the position that he plays you think win value wise this guy can be an above average major league player in fairness to him, almost everything that's happened in the last two years, you can throw out because we're talking about a shoulder injury, and those things impact everybody differently. But we have seen a number of guys that all of their power is sapped, their ability to be a strong hitter is greatly reduced when you have a shoulder injury like he had, and it was a pretty complex one for him. And then on top of that, while that's happening, he's trying to rework that swing and whether it's finding more contact or more power, and I think he's tried 17 different things along the way. Are the Indians ready to say goodbye to that, that not that long ago was someone they thought was going to be a big part of their plans for a long time? It's kind of along the same lines as the Bowers thing. Have you seen enough to just say goodbye? We're not going to give you another opportunity, another chance? And if you are comparing... Zimmer and Mercado, the way I kind of phrased it is Zimmer is much higher on the we need to find out about you right now mm-hmm. list than Mercado is. Now, Mercado's twenty just turned 26 years old, so it's not like he's a super young player here either. But if you're if you're putting this together as, as far as like a depth chart of guys that I need to find out about in 2021, I would put Zimmer ahead of Mercado on that list. And because of really everything we've talked about leading up to this point on top of that fact i don't think it's a, it would be a, a real surprise here if we we look at opening day and, and zimmer as well yeah. we'll find out because they might be facing a left-handed pitcher on opening day but if zimmer is out there in, in center field i think it's not difficult to kind of pick up the breadcrumbs that led you to that position here's the thing and there's one person who fudged all of this up Delino DeShields played more center field than anyone on this team last year. Like, Bradley Zimmer had some opportunities and couldn't hit. 
Yeah, but and Oscar but, but Mercado that, had some opportunities and couldn't hit. But the Zimmer thing doesn't that come back to the shoulder thing we were just talking about? He wasn't exactly a hundred percent back. Oh, he sure looked pretty damn good during summer camp when he and Yu Chang <laughs> were Babe Ruth and Blue Gary. Oh, yeah, we can learn everything we need to learn from summer camp. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I learned how to play soccer. This one time, how to get stung by a bee in the eye at band camp. Uh, I, I don't know. I, those guys couldn't crack the rotation last year, and you had the second-worst outfield offense in Major League history. So, I, like, I, I get it. I just – I am team – I better be 100% sure this guy <laughs> is not going to make it before I sever yeah. ties with him. However, how many chances are you going to give people who have proven time and time again they ain't it? No, I agree with some some of that. I don't think Zimmer's quite there yet, though. I don't think you can say that he has already proven that he ain't it based on everything. that I mean, Injuries are part of it. And if injuries take away from your career, so be it. Um, that's all part of the equation. But I don't think I'm there yet with, with Zimmer. Do I, do I think that he's capable of being a star-level player? Probably not. I think the outcome where that happens is so small. The chances of that being a possibility are so small that I wouldn't put any amount of money on that. But do I think... If you gave Mercado and Zimmer similar playing time in 2021 in, in, in alternate realities, do I think they would probably come up with the same total win value? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's probably realistic. So let's let's just see. Let's let's find out. I, I am team let's find out in 2021 about a lot of things. And on, on top of that, I also want to get Rosario some at-bats. And I think between the, the two outcomes that this could have been, it makes more sense just to naturally create that center field platoon to get Rosario in the lineup as much as possible. And then if he seizes that over time, great. I, th- I think that's an important thing because Rosario is just as much part of that gotta-find-out-about-him in 2021 list that I keep talking about as anybody else. Yes, but there is one ideal scenario that never stood a chance. And I think that is Daniel Johnson being that platoon partner for Ahmed Rosario in center field. Now they said there were just too many cooks in the kitchen. You had Mercado and Zimmer and Gamble and Billy Hamilton for a few minutes. and um, <laughs> Not exactly five-star cuisine those cooks are creating. <laughs> no. uh, but uh, yeah. This and is I how think... you make a Big Mac. No, this is how you make a Big Mac. <laughs> But I think to all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Boom. That's occupying space in my brain. I actually think that there's a legitimate like I don't disagree with their stance there. Um, but the problem is they just assumed that Mercado or someone would win this job. And that obviously didn't happen. So I wouldn't be. Would you be surprised if Daniel Johnson was? At least in a timeshare in center field by mid-May. No, not surprised at all. Uh-uh. I'm surprised that we didn't even get a glimpse of it. You couldn't find some chance to get that guy some reps in center field. I mean, there were games in which he played where, I mean, Zimmer was shifted over to right field to make way for other people. There, there wasn't late in games opportunities just to mm-hmm. get him back in center field. And it's not completely foreign territory for him. He has played some center field. He's played more of it than Ben Gamel has. It's weird. It's weird. And, and Ahmed Rosario and has. I think, and I think Gamel can stand out and play an okay center field, like a passable center field if he's getting on base. I don't think he's an everyday player, but I, I'm comfortable. Like, if he's in the starting lineup in center field, I don't go, oh, shit. <laughs> like, oh, man, if that ball gets hit out to center field, the Indians are screwed. It's the same way I would feel if, if Daniel Jensen were standing out there. He's toolsy enough. It's, it's He's not going to be a tremendous gold glove winner he's probably going to have if you let him play out there a lot probably be in the negative as far as defensive runs saved and but won't he make up for it with his arm outs above average i think that's a possibility for sure my point is i think offensively what you would gain would be offset there so i'm not that really that concerned about his ability to stand out in in center field now it will be interesting because we've talked so much about defense not mattering as much because the ball isn't being put in play as frequently, especially for the Indians in years past where they had yeah, such but... a strikeout-heavy staff. But we're now talking about a game that's shifting, and teams are maybe going to put more emphasis on on contact bats, and the ball is deadened. And, so and maybe you're talking few... about an outfield of Eddie Rosario, Ahmed Rosario, <laughs> Josh Naylor? 
Uh, Better strike everybody out. Screw defense if you can hit, but I don't know that it's going to be offset by their hitting. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've talked about Mercado going out and winning the job. What more could Zimmer have done to go win the job than what he has done? That's a fair point. Um, Because the numbers are there. He's getting on base. And when he's hitting the ball, he's hitting the ball hard. Yeah, and you're not asking him to play 162 games. I, you make valid points, and and the main one is that he's 28, and the best elements of his game are his speed, his agility in center field, and those are attributes that are not going to improve yep. the older he gets. So yep. you're right, but how long of a leash do you give him before you pull the plug and turn to Mercado or to Johnson? Not long, in my opinion. You would think he would get a month to to establish some sort of a footing there in center field, but it would have to be going disastrous for them to completely pull them. But this goes beyond just making determinations on small sample sizes in a month. It also goes to what does the exit velocity looking like? What 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 does the the strikeout and walk ratios look like? Is he doing what he used to do and striking out forty five percent of the time? Because he's going to have to create a lot of offense. Mm-hmm. To overcome all of those strikeouts, I, I I did not envision us sitting here on on March twenty second, spending this time this amount of time talking about Bradley Zimmer, but here we are, and a lot of that's on just Mercado not playing well enough to go seize that center field job. So it's not surprising that we sit here, given everything that's happened. Well, let me hit you with a couple facts, okay? They <laughs> have no not place for facts here. <laughs> I know, I know, we're normally conspiracy theory podcasts, <laughs> but. They have not had a center fielder start more than 140 games since Grady Sizemore in 2008, which to me is mind blowing. I mean, that's you're not even I'm not I'm not asking for like league average offense. I'm just saying just play. It's been 13 years. That that streak is certainly going to continue. I don't see anyone making 140 starts. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I agree. What year did you say that was? 2008. Yeah. So, fact number two, they have not had a center fielder who made more than 90 starts and posted league average offense since Michael Brantley in 2012. And that's that was even pre-All-Star Michael Brantley. That was slapping singles all over the place, good batting average, low slugging percentage, um, don't hit for any power, and still kind of play center field Michael Brantley. And that's, again, we're talking just more than 90 games. That's it. Tyler Naquin, uh, I think, was above league average offense in 2016, um, but only played 90 games. So, yeah, you know, I mean, that's like they can't even find anyone to play half a season and be adequate out there. And then number three, the last six years, they've had a different center fielder lead the team in starts last year was Delino de Shields 2019 was Oscar Mercado do you want to guess these next few <laughs> I think you made me do this recently 2018 was Greg Allen yeah 2017 was Bradley Zimmer 2016 Tyler Naquin 2015 Michael Bourne and there's Ooh. I really believe that there's a chance you throw in like it could be Daniel Johnson this year it could be Ahmed Rosario if it's Ben Gamble, good lord, I want to see how we got to that point. But um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it just shows you, like, I mean, they've been searching for a center. Center field is a premium position. I mean, it's 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 usually your most athletic outfielder. It's it's traditionally, at least in Cleveland, I think it's changed a little bit um, across the league. But it's it's not usually a, a guy who's going to hit forty home runs or be an MVP consideration. Um, but they really haven't had anyone since Grady Sizemore. No. I mean, Michael Bourne was a bust. Brantley moved to the corners where he became a, a prolific hitter. Um, but it, it, it's it's been a struggle, and it's been a revolving door. And they've tried to draft guys, Zimmer and Clint Frazier and um, Tyler Naquin, although I think they knew, you know, probably only Zimmer would stick in center. Um, you know, they drafted Quentin Holmes with their first pick in 2017. And he just never hit. So it, it's it's really been a struggle. And I don't – I mean, I, I don't know that George Valero winds up in center field. He's probably bound for a corner outfield position. But, like, 
this is part of why they draft so many damn shortstops. It's because <laughs> if they can just get athletic guys and a few of them prove they can hit, then maybe one of them can end up playing center field. Yeah, but who is that? I don't, I don't know. As you look down in the minor leagues right now, somebody's going to have to move off a shortstop because Jimenez, mm-hmm. Freeman, Arias, Miller, those are four guys right there that are either there or knocking on the door. I mean, Owen Miller is knocking the cover off the ball this spring, and he has mm-hmm. no shot. And then there's Yu Chang. So it's like you have all these guys that, that would be playing middle infield or shortstop, but none of those guys are getting moved to the outfield anytime soon. And Ahmed Rosario is trying out there, and his first day went it – was, it was awful. <laughs> so, Hey, his second day went fine, but nobody ever talks about that. Yeah. Uh, reminded me of the, the piece you wrote about. Uh, Vizquel's first was it first day in Cleveland where he had he made three errors. I think it was like his fourth game or something. He made three errors, and the last one was a dropped pop up that gave the Royals like two <laughs> runs. And it was in I think it was in the bottom of the eighth or the top of the ninth, and that cost the Indians the game. And, it and takes... he was like, well, he was saying that fans were shouting like, "Send this guy back to Seattle." His teammates <laughs> didn't want anything to do with him. Yeah, and he made three errors the rest of the season and won the Gold Glove. And you know, you know, he laughs about it now. But but it's it's so difficult to change perceptions mm-hmm. uh, among a, a fan base that probably at the end of the year said, ah, "That guy doesn't deserve it." I was there the day that he committed three errors. That guy's a bum. <laughs> Keep in mind, he had already won a Gold Glove in Seattle the year before. So yeah. like, you know, he had a little bit better starting point than Ahmed Rosario. Exactly. But the good thing for Ahmed Rosario is that happened in Arizona, and I don't know that anyone was actually watching, so he'll be fine. Uh, all it takes is a few people tweeting about it on social media, and then that's all people will remember forever. Mm. You know, somebody had even said to me, because yeah, I tweeted what I noted earlier, that if you're trying to get at-bats from Ahmed Rosario, one plate way you could do it is by creating a natural platoon in center field with a left-handed hitter, and someone tweeted at me, angry that they were sending Mercado down in, in favor of, well, not really in favor of, but Rosario was going to get some at-bats. And he said, this is just more proof of what Tito does as a manager. And I, I, I mentioned to him, you know, that, that has been the case with some veterans, that's true. But you do know that Oscar Mercado is slightly older than right. Ahmed Rosario, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Or like the people who are like, Oh, you know, Daniel Johnson, it's all about it's, I, there are people who are like there's Dolan again manipulating service time. And it's like, okay, first of all, Daniel Johnson's going to turn 26. Second of all, I don't think they're too concerned about, you know, oh man, are we going to be able to uh to keep him an extra year till he when he's turns 32 or whatever? Like yeah. No. Meanwhile, Andres Jimenez is going to be your opening day shortstop and he's 22 years old. Right. And they could have manipulated his service time. Like, yes, teams do that. Under the system that we have, that's really stupid. They should do that, um, unless they're in prime position to win and they need every single, you know, inch of production that they can get in the first two weeks of April. But yeah, I mean, Rosario's younger than Mercado. He's 25 years old, and like it, it's the same thing. You need to find out about so many of these guys, but there are only so many that you can find out about at a, at one time. And unfair or not. When a guy is starting from a higher prospect pedigree, mm-hmm. those are guys I'm going to be more intrigued by. Ahmed and Rosario, salary. That's a part of this, too. But Rosario, not that long ago, according to some evaluators, thought this guy was going to be a, an all-star caliber player. Same thing with Zimmer, too. Was everyone just that wrong about the player? Did everyone just miss so badly on that guy that he can't even stick on a major league roster? Well, can I find out? And... Is it a crime for me to think to to myself? I would much rather find out about Rosario, his talent, than Mercado at this point because Rosario was starting from a place that everyone saw this guy as a big league contributor and potential star, and Mercado was a guy that a lot of people thought, eh, under, under the radar, sneaky good, maybe a contributor down the road. I think that plays some factor in this too, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I was curious about you know, when, when Rosario was making this transition to center field, I thought, what did evaluators think of him as he was coming up? Did they think he would stick at shortstop? Did they think he'd wind up somewhere else? So I went and I found Keith Law, who is the athletics resident prospect expert now and has the Indians with the number two farm system in baseball, which is just crazy. But we've been telling you that was going to happen for years on this podcast. Anyway, um, 
he had Rosario prior to the 2017 season as the number three prospect in baseball. And that's not the exception to the rule. He was number five by MLB Pipeline, number eight by Baseball America. Law had him at number three and wrote that he was super athletic, would stick at shortstop, be above average there, was a cornerstone piece, a potential MVP candidate because he thought he'd be a 300 hitter who would develop some power. Um, and he was like, this is this guy, finally, like the Mets have their star shortstop. So, look, is he going like to live up to that sort of hype? Tim Anderson. <laughs> yeah, is he going to live up to that sort of hype? No, I don't think so. I think it's been four years. He showed glimpses of what he could be in 2019. And he hit for average. He hit for some power. He stole bases. He wasn't great defensively at shortstop, but that's not an issue for the Indians anymore because he ain't going to play there much. Yeah, I mean, if you, um, get, if you got those numbers out of your center fielder, he'd be doing backflips provided he's not a complete disaster out there. So so you're right. They, you know, on this this hierarchy of who do we need to find out about, he is up there because he they believe, you know, everything I just described, like he has the tools to possibly be a competent outfielder. It's just he hasn't played there. And if he had played, you know, if, if he wasn't as athletic and, you know, he didn't look like he was going to play at shortstop, he probably would have had more experience in the minors coming up and this wouldn't be as much of a process, but it is. And so they need to find out because this guy has hitting potential and he's got all the tools. So whether he's going to stick on your team or at least you give him some playing time and he proves he can hit major league pitching consistently, then you have a trade chip. And so you get some value out of this guy. Um, but, you know, if you're only if you're going to limit his playing time to a utility guy who is, you know, you have an infield with, first of all, you have you just named all the young infielders they have waiting for a chance. It seems like a waste to put this 25 year old former top five prospect into a, a very limited role. So they need to do whatever they can to maximize his opportunities. And this is the way to do it. Let me beat you to the punch. Zach, why did they sign Cesar Hernandez? <laughs> I've seen people argue about this on social media. And, like, look, I just don't I want to be the one to defend it. the position today because you always put me in that spot. <laughs> I get why they did it. I mean, it was their first move post-Lindor trade. Um, okay, well, let me ask you a different way. Knowing what they know now about all these young middle infielders, the way they're playing in spring training, would they change – would they not sign Cesar if they knew what they knew now? Uh, here's the thing. He's a switch hitter. <laughs> You're about to step aside the, step <laughs> to the side on this question, and I know that because you said, here's the thing. <laughs> He's a switch hitter who you don't even have to think about. Francona can plug him in the leadoff spot for 160 games, and that is so helpful for a team. However... <sighs> I mean, if you could just play Ahmed Rosario at second base all season, and if someone flops, you know you have Owen Miller ready. You know, t I mean, the second Tyler Freeman comes up to the majors, the dude's going to hit 300 and play second base for the next decade. So uh, knowing what they know now, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, I, told, I, I understand why they did. They didn't know. You know, I think they've learned a lot about Owen Miller over the last few weeks. Yeah. I think. I think they've been pleasantly surprised by Andres Jimenez. I think initially they probably planned to send him to the minors and let Ahmed Rosario play short and then let that sort itself out afterwards. Um, but a lot has happened. Yeah, it's two things that don't really align or mesh well. Trying mm -hmm. to guarantee that you're going to win more games, which I think Cesar Hernandez does that. He provides you the more known commodity. And if you are trying to win and you don't go sign Eddie Rosario as well, if you're not having some semblance of an attempt to win there, put forward. But at the same time, if you have all these young middle infielders, you want to find out about them. But that doesn't really lend itself to a sense of winning. So it's a, it, that's a an outcome that pulls you in two different directions. Well, and that's a, str that's a balance they've been struggling with for years. It's yeah. like we talked about. It's like, eh, do we play Delano De Shields in center field? Do we and Domingo Santana because of what they might be capable of as veterans? Or do we just hold our breath and let Oscar Mercado try to work his way out of these struggles? I mean, they've been doing this for years where mm -hmm. this balance between 
you know, what is the win now move versus what's going to help us win in the future? And sometimes the the air quote of win now move isn't exactly yeah yeah super inspiring. Whether it's Melky Cabrera in right field or Carlos Gonzalez hitting clean, sometimes Oof. those things. Just... Remember Hanley Ramirez? Yeah, that one. I uh, you know I understood taking a flyer on him, but uh, you got to be able to pull the plug on those things when you when you see pretty quickly that it ain't going to work out. All right, so before we go rapid-fire through the rest of this roster and kind of update where we're at, I do want to give a shout-out to Ryan, who became a podcast supporter recently over at Anchor. And I know you got a five-star review to shout-out before we reveal some some news about the podcast. Yeah, just shout-out to J2, the B75, uh, who said uh, he's missed very few of these entertaining podcasts over the years. So just remember... Five-star review earns you a free beer on us. <laughs> should they you ever, just got to find us. Should they ever find you? Yeah, I don't leave my house anymore. So that, All right, so we have been teasing for the last several weeks the possibility of expanding this podcast a bit. We asked for your opinion several weeks ago whether or not people would be willing to pay for additional Selby is Godcast content. We both agreed and thought that everyone would tell us, go to hell. Go screw yourself. We're not paying for anything else. But we were pleasantly surprised. A Truly, lot of, like, overwhelmed. Yeah. I did not expect that. Um, got a lot of responses from our passionate fans. And I would consider you all extremely passionate based on, I mean, even when Trevor Steffen makes the, the roster, people want to know where the emergency podcast is <laughs> uh, but we love you guys for that and because of that we we have a bit of news we are expanding the selby is godcast the the coming weeks you will see a little bit more of an announcement but we will be joining the the ranks of patreon and doing additional bonus content so it will no longer be just one episode a week it's going to be multiple episodes a week for the the low low price of a dollar per episode. Now, for anybody freaking out right now, if you only want the one episode, you're going to continue to get it. It's going to continue to show up in your podcast feed. You don't have to pay for it. Your one steady dose of Selby's Godcast is going to be there. That's not going to change. However, if you uh, have any desire to get one additional episode, maybe two additional episodes if crazy things are happening, there will be an ability to, to do that through Patreon. And we're going to be doing the $1 per episode uh, gimmick and Zach and I thought about this a little bit. We thought it was it would be best that way people can decide how much of the Selby's Godcast they want to partake in. And if there's some week where it's not a lot going on or you know, just things are are busy and we don't put out the the one podcast that we plan to do, then you're not paying five dollars per month for an episode that you're not getting. So there's going to be opportunities for people to limit how much they want, whether it's, you know, I don't want to do any more than one per week. Well, you can set that limit over at Patreon, but we're going to be really excited to to provide some additional content. And Zach, not just episodes, but I think we have some ideas for other things we're going to be able to do for those supporters that, that are opting in for some additional content. Yeah, I mean, we've said it. First of all, just a, a little message to those who have supported the podcast, who just you know, listen to us regularly, give us feedback. You know, I just want to send this message. And we got uh, Dido herself to, to send that in just on behalf of us. But, um, you know, it, it's, you guys have kept this going. I mean, there have been points where we're like, is this worth it? Should we still do this? I mean, there were, there were times when, um, we wondered if anyone actually wanted to listen to this, if if there was anything to talk about. Remember, the, there was a one off season when everything moved slowly, and it felt like <laughs> we were like, oh, should we do another one? But there's nothing has happened. What are we going to talk about? I mean, we've experimented with reviews of games from 20 some years ago, thinking no one might want to listen to this, and having no idea that it was going to end up being a two and a half hour podcast. And people loved it. And like we've been pleasantly surprised by some of that. And we love when you guys send us in ideas for what you want to hear us talk about and dissect, or ideas for podcast formats or or whatever. Um, so we're grateful for that. And keep sending us. I mean, truly, if there's 
some topic that we just have not gotten around to that you've been waiting and waiting for, let us know. Tweet at us. Send us a DM. Um, or if there is something that we talk about too much and you want us to stop, or if you want us to talk about ownership and payroll more and Francisco Lindor more, hey, just let us know and maybe we'll do that um, if we uh, take a bunch of pills first. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I mean, it, it's we have just wanted to satisfy the appetite that's out there. And so we're very grateful for those of us who have supported the podcast via Anchor for a long time. Um, and, and now there's a new way to do that and a way to do that that I think is more flexible for everybody. Yeah. And, and can you can just – we can cater it to, to your desires. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. Hopefully uh, this turns out to be good and, you know, we can mix it up. And, and as you alluded to, I mean, there we've already – had people reach out to us with some ideas of some of the exclusive access you can get if if you do support the podcast. Um, yeah, it's going to go beyond and, just episodes. I think. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll try to, and this will will really come from whatever the demand is and what you guys have an appetite for. But if you want to do some exclusive Q and A's, if we want to do some video ones, if we want to have maybe people that support the podcast jump on for a segment. Uh, we're we're open to doing all kinds of different things and different ideas. It doesn't have to be just one idea, and that's what we're going to stick with. This podcast wanna... has always been evolving, so I think we'll we'll continue to evolve there too. Yeah, if you want to get together at a bar when the pandemic's over and have Selby's Godcast pay for every single person's beers that has left <laughs> us a five star review, I'll take out a loan and we'll do that. Oh man, that I would not recommend doing that all at once, but. Uh, that's that's your problem, and you've created that that Frankenstein monster for yourself. So that will be your legacy. Uh, but I am looking forward to that. Um, so if you would like to to keep an eye on it, do people bookmark websites anymore? Is that thing? I don't know that that's a thing anymore. But if you do, Patreon.com/slash Selby's Godcast. The the website's there. We're, we haven't released any content yet, but keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on us on Twitter and, and Instagram too. At Selby's Godcast. And we'll let you know when it's ready to go. So in the coming weeks, hopefully by opening day, you guys will have uh, a lot more Selby's Godcast to digest. Did you announce the TikTok yet? <laughs> that's coming. That's coming. OnlyFans. Yeah, that that's gonna be weeks <laughs> There are some final roster battles to be decided, and some of these are 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 easy to project. Some of them are are more difficult. But I was just looking at. Some of them may be decided by the time you listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But I was looking at the, the depth chart, and when you when you actually put it in front of you, I think it kind of gets a little bit easier to see how some of this fits. But the starting lineup, uh, you know, now that, that they're getting closer to a final decision on center field, it seems like that would be Bradley Zimmer there. But I'm not, you know, I, I don't. I don't know where the spot comes for, from for Ben Gamble, but I think he's on this team. Do you disagree? No. Probably wouldn't be in camp still if that was the case. At least that's my guess. Um, and he provides a little bit of insurance. I mean, I, I, it seems a little ridiculous to carry, you know, if you're going to go Rosario and Naylor in the corners, Zimmer and Rosario in center, Luplo's probably going to make the team, and Gamel. It seems a little unnecessary, but Rosario is also your utility infielder. I, I think it boils down to probably Gamel versus Chang, and just how they want to, you know, where do you feel you need that reinforcement? You know, you could say Chang because he's a little more versatile defensively because he can play first, second, short, or third. But do you need him to play first if you have Naylor on the roster? Yeah. And you don't need him to play second or third because those guys play every single day. And if one of them goes down with an injury, you have, as we mentioned, plenty of infielders you can call up. So or Ahmed Rosario. Um, so if we're again, if we're talking about roster fit, I think Gamble makes some sense. It's always good to have another outfielder who can hit against lefties too. Um, but you know, like people will say, Chang's had the better spring, and. Uh, He's he's younger, and why don't they give the younger guys a chance? Well, I, I think know. in some ways the extra outfielder is redundant, but so is Chang and Rosario. Yeah. How do you find any any at bats at all for Chang if Rosario is there? 
Right. You don't. And so that's why I think it makes sense because, okay, Ahmed Rosario is, is your utility guy, right? Well, if he's playing shortstop um, one day, if you want to give Ahmed or Andres Jimenez a day off, Rosario is your shortstop. Well, then who's your backup center fielder? Gamble. You know, if, if, if Zimmer, if you're facing a lefty and you don't want Zimmer out there and Rosario is playing shortstop, Gamble can start in center. I, so I think that that's my guess as to what they're going to do. You know, if, if Chang's your guy, I guess Chang could play shortstop and Rosario can play center. But that's but not... But they're still not there yet on, on Rosario. Right. And and also, Chang is probably better suited for second or third and not shortstop. And if you're already talking about a terrible defensive outfield, then you're talking about Chang at short. I don't know. It's just... I think they would yeah. be more comfortable with Rosario at short Gamble and center. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Chang can play a passable shortstop in a small sample, maybe even a larger sample. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The, the roster fit there is tough to see for me with Rosario and Chang both being on the roster. And that's tough yep. because Chang absolutely deserves a spot on this team. He does, and that's the t- that's another tough thing. It's like the with these young guys, you don't want to just bury them on the bench because yeah. you're not going to learn anything about them that way. Yeah. But Chang has nothing left to prove in the minors or at the alternate site. Um, but I... I Again, like he's not going to get every day at bats at third, and he's not going to get every day at bats at second. And Jimenez is the guy at short. So how are you ever going to learn about him? I, I don't know. Where are you at on first base? <laughs> I think I think like I said before, Bowers has done enough as far as the quality of his, of his at bats that I don't see them just jettisoning him <laughs> off into Waverland. And the bench is already tough enough to find a spot for what we just discussed. So are they going to put Bowers on the bench and put Bradley at first base? Mm-mm. I think Bowers is going to get that first shot at first base. Yeah, so it's going to be one or the other. They're not going to carry both because they both hit left-handed. Um, look, I would personally rather watch Bobby Bradley play and try to carve out a role as a guy you can rely on as an everyday first baseman or something close to it. Um He's more exciting to watch. I think that power potential is interesting. And if his newfound um, sleeker self and more athletic self has led to some swing changes that can produce a, a strikeout rate that's a little bit more tolerable and you know maybe a couple more singles and doubles here and there, maybe he's your guy. Um, that's more exciting to me than... I don't know. I feel like we just all have this image in our mind of Jake Bowers being a guy who hits 220 with a decent walk rate and, you know, not as much power as you were hoping for. But that's because we watched that in 2019 (laughs) for most of a season and he never got a chance in 2020. Look, as I said, if he had minor league options, I think Bradley would win the job. But it's not an easy either or. No. And it, it, it goes back to the theme of the podcast. You have to learn about people in a certain order. And when the ramification of granting Bobby Bradley the job is totally cutting ties with Jake Bowers, I don't think they want to take that risk of him going elsewhere and having figuring it out. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 my with... guess would be Bowers. But again, like I, you get this late in camp and it's like, you know, it, it truly could go either way. I'm with you on personal preference if I don't have to worry about losing Bowers I would absolutely love to see just out of probably more than curiosity's sake see Bobby Bradley get 450 to 500 at bats but it's not it's not as simple as just picking one of the two and I am not ready quite yet to to send Bowers elsewhere and some of this comes down to and it's not fair and you probably shouldn't do this this way but you did sort of, in a way, give up Yanni Diaz to get this guy. I just don't think one opportunity in 2019 is enough. And then a, a small sample in spring where mm-hmm. he's not having bad at-bats. He just hasn't had great hit outcomes. But as far as the quality of the at-bats, you know, even in the game yesterday, was laying off some very, really tough pitches, just showing his ability at the plate to get on base. Um, we know he's nimble, athletic around the bag. I, I'm curious to see 
what that does over a full season if he's over there. So I, 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 I'm not to a point where I think they can just cut him. And because that's the case, I think you have to go Bowers as much as it pains me to not see Bobby Bradley right off the, right off the rip there. In the, yeah, the, and while we, while we want to see Bobby Bradley, it's not like this is Albert Bell coming up through the minors. I mean, his profile shouts that, like, best-case scenario is – I mean, you, you, it's very rare to see a guy who strikes out a ton in the minors and doesn't do that in the majors. And, yeah, strikeouts, you, are, you can stomach them more than you could 20 years ago, but – this is not a guy who makes a ton of contact and has great pitch recognition. And, you know, coming up through the minors, he was this this type of hitter where he did for a lot of – he was three true outcomes for the most part. I mean, he has to be Joey Gallo for it to be a truly impactful guy. Otherwise, yeah, he can hit you a lot of home runs, but if you look at the total run creation, it's probably not going to be that much different than what Bowers does just based on the profile. Unless Bobby Bradley has made some changes and – the the more athletic build leads to more contact. We'll we'll find out. Um, that's something to keep an eye on for sure. In the rotation, we know it's going to be P- Bieber, Plesac, and Savali, and I don't know that we're any closer to answering that question about who the fourth star- starter is. But I can tell you, Cal Quantrill is not doing anything to help his cause. Uh, in, in that game against the White Sox that that I watched, the White Sox to give. To give them their due, and he faced pretty much their their regular everyday lineup, so it's tough to get through regardless. But they hit some pretty good pitches, but at the same time, it was not a good performance. And this is someone that could really use that to fight off uh, Allen, who continues to just do what he's done all spring training. You know, I had to file something for our fantasy baseball people, um, and just kind of give them like a potential breakout player. And I think I, I think I named Daniel Johnson and Cal Quantrill, um, and I had to file this like uh, like ten days to two weeks Whoops. ago, um, and yeah, <laughs> so it obviously looks silly now. I don't know that Quantrill like again. I've I've seen people just assume things and like say that like like first of all, like Tristan McKenzie, if he makes the team on opening day. He's not throwing 100 pitches. I mean, he's not going six innings. Yeah. Like, So I think... He might not ever do that, really, in his career. I mean, he might go the the Blake Snell route, where it's three times through the, the order and then to the bullpen. We just don't know about that durability. And to start the season, we've talked about it. They have three off days in the first eight days. They've got... They don't need a fifth starter until two weeks into the season. They're probably going to go four-man rotation and throw a fifth starter in the bullpen. So it's going to be between McKenzie, Quantrill, and Allen. One will be in the rotation, one will be in the bullpen, one will go to the alternate site. Um, honestly, the guy who should be in the rotation is probably Logan Allen. Um, you could go McKenzie because you have the extra reliever and you have length in the bullpen with Plutko and whoever the fifth starter is, and even Tra- Trevor Steffen can go multiple innings. So you could do that. And you could put Allen in the bullpen for a little bit, and then he can be your fifth starter. Um, but, like, Quantrill's struggling. He might be that guy who needs more time at the alternate side. Yeah. Wouldn't shock me at all. And there's a reason for that. It's it's. I think it's more alarming when someone is having issues and you can't figure out why. But for Quantrill, I can, I can understand it. He's made adjustments to his arsenal. He's preparing for a full season as a starter as opposed to just focusing on a couple of pitches like he would do in the bullpen. Um, so because of those changes, because of all the things that, that Cleveland looks to do when they acquire a new starting pitcher, it's like a new toy for them, um, I can understand why there's some struggles there and why he needs the repetition and why not starting the year in the rotation makes sense for him. And it's I think two things can be true here. I can still be very excited about what he can become, but also believe that right now he's not best suited to handle that fourth starter spot, that Logan Allen has mm-hmm. taken control of that, and he was... We're also talking about something that was not Logan Allen being so far off the radar that this is inconceivable that he's going to seize that fourth starter spot. The Indians were talking about Logan Allen like he was legitimately in this competition, and then he's gone out and pitched like he he should be in it. And he has some prospect pedigree, too, where he's a former top 100 prospect. So, again, not a surprise to see him have some success here. Yeah, so so he would be the one guy that you also don't want to, like, halt his momentum by sending him to basically extended spring training for a month. And 
we've said it. We said it. Talked about it last week. Like all, you're gonna need all three of these guys because I don't think McKenzie's throwing 200 innings. I don't think Quantrill's throwing 200 innings. I don't think anyone is. Um, maybe Beaver, but you're gonna need all three of them, and it probably makes more sense to let Quantrill take time to figure it out. Let McKenzie take time to build up to whatever he's going to build up to. And Logan Allen is the guy who seems like he could come out of the gate firing, so let him do that. What about the bullpen? Trying to f- trying to figure out exactly which direction they're heading there. Um, some of it's been been decided. So you have Karinchek, you have Whitgren, you have Classe, you have Maton, and Stefan. The rest of that, I think Plutko goes to the bullpen? Yeah. Uh, and then... There's some some up in the air whether or not that that fifth starter is out there and who that is. Well, but, the fifth starter will be a ninth reliever. They'll go with an eight-man bullpen. Yeah, they'll go with a thirteen-man pitching staff. So that leaves what two spots mm-hmm. out there, and then we're talking about Ali Perez. You're talking about Blake Parker. You're talking about Brian Shaw, Anthony Goes, Kyle Nelson. Are you leaving anybody else out that would be in that mix. But that's it, right? So we're talking Gavin about Floyd. We're talking about Hector Ambrose. We're talking about two spots. Do they have anybody that Cairo could... Asensio? Where's Cam Sorry. Hill at as far as starting the year on time? Could he be a sixty? No. Could he yeah. be a sixty candidate? I think so. I mean, they're gonna have to look. You know, you're gonna carry probably at least one non-roster guy. Um, you can DFA Bo Taylor. Um, I got word from the front office that you don't have to be on the 40 man to be on the taxi squad during the season. So you want to bring Bo Taylor, you can, um, you can do that. And then if you need him, you activate or you add him then. So, um, so we, that's we can find Cam Hill to the 60 is another one. Yeah. He's, so we he's, can, he like just started throwing, um, off the mound about a week ago. So we can find two spots for two non-roster guys then. Yeah. So who is it? I mean, it's Brian Shaw's making the team. I'd be shocked if he didn't. Well, he's throwing 97. <sighs> yeah, I can't somehow. wrap my head around that. <laughs> yeah, that's what's weird. I fired that up the other day because they were at a uh, field that StatCast gives you some readouts. And it's <laughs> 97 for Brian Shaw. He was always a guy that I wondered if throwing harder actually hurt him because of the movement on his pitches, whether or not he needed to not throw as hard for it to move more with the weird cutter. I don't know. But he's, he's someone that I agree – I think is on the team. So who's the last guy? Well, it's a lefty. So it's Ghost, Nelson, does or it, Perez. Does it have to be a lefty? No. I mean, are they married to that? It will be. You, you got to have I – mean, no, they're not. But you. But yes. They want a lefty out there. Do you need one in this new environment? No. Quick relief innings or just facing one batter. Their standard answer will be, we're just looking for the best pitchers regardless of handed. But, but you, yeah, it's going to be a lefty. And so the question, like Nelson's been really good. He's also the youngest guy. He's the only one on the 40. Ghosts, he had one just nightmarish outing. Otherwise, he's been like perfect. And he had his typical ghost outing yesterday where he, I think he walked the leadoff guy, then struck, struck some people. I mean, just. You worry so much about his ability to command, mm. but you fall in love with 99 to 100 on the radar gun. Yeah. And, like, with him, it's like, I think you can make a case that it would be beneficial to go to the alternate side, spend a month at AAA, and really get that delivery down pat. Because um, also, this is a guy who doesn't have a ton of experience, so are you really going to expect him to make 65 appearances? No. So, again... Like but it, but could behoove. I don't know. The lefty role is so different now. I don't know that it is that anymore. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying I don't know that you can expect this converted outfielder who's thrown like 20, I mean, two years ago he threw 29 innings in the minors. I don't think you can expect him to, I mean, do you think he's going to pitch consistently and pitch well for six I, full months? I, I don't know. But can he make three to 45 appearances? But that's what I'm saying is he can do that with starting the first year not on the team. And then there's Oliver Perez. I don't know because spring – what do I care about spring stats for a guy that's 
around 40 years old. <laughs> I, right. I, don't, I don't know what to read into that. Um, he's, he's not really doing anything in spring training to warrant that job, but you have a track record. You kind of have an idea of what he already is. So, And he's been the leader of the clubhouse. Yeah, so is that just a, almost an automatic thing? I don't know that it has to be, but it feels like it might be. Personally, I go Nelson, but I could see the... I could see them going Perez. Honestly, like, I mean, Ghost is just so tempting. That stuff is just so electric. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to continue and to see that. And that bullpen, can you imagine? And maybe we'll see this. Li- I know I do this every every time we talk, but <laughs> just imagine a bullpen in August with Karinchek, Classe just throwing fire. Stefan, this dude throws like 97. Maton, Wickren. Ghost throwing 99 with a sweeping slider. Henches throwing 97, what? being six foot eight. I mean, this the bullpen has a ton of potential. It, it could be really, really good. But I think it's going to take time to get there. Agreed. And then I was was so confused about the, the Hembry thing. He pitched really well, and then he was just gone. And it was well, like, everybody, it was, they have outdates. I think that plays into this, too. I, I get that, but I'm... I could make a pretty easy case that he should have been in over Brian Shaw, but that wasn't going to happen, apparently. <laughs> I don't know if Henry plays cribbage, though. That's uh, a good point. I don't. I don't think you do. But for $1 per episode, maybe we'll learn. Apple Podcasts, Google Stitcher, Spotify. Find us on Twitter at TJZoopy, at Zach Meisel, at Selby's Godcast, and find us on the Instagram as well, at Selby's Godcast. Anything else? No, I had a really good random Indian of the day, but I'll save it for next time. Yeah, um, save it. And just shout out to Dido for um, sending us that message to share with all of you. Until next time. Until our next collaboration with another artist that hasn't been relevant for 20 years, we are out of here. See you.